Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Last week, we got the 10th year of the Trojan War off to a rousing start and left Achilles moping on the beach because his enslaved girl got taken away because Agamemnon's enslaved girl got taken away. Yes, such charming people. This week, we'll go over the events of Book 2 of the Iliad and the themes therein. You'll recall that Book 1 ended on Olympus, and Book 2 picks up in the same location. Thetis had asked Zeus to help Achilles somehow, and Zeus has finally come up with a plan. He does this by sending a dream to Agamemnon, telling him that the Greeks should attack the Trojans immediately, because if they do, Troy will fall. Agamemnon wakes up and assembles the troops. Now, remember all that time I spent talking about orality? This is one of those places you can see it in action. Because how does Agamemnon rally the troops? He repeats everything that was said to him in his dream. But he does add something. He says that he isn't sure he should trust the dream and that maybe they should all pack up and go home instead. And what do you think the troops do? They start to pack up and get ready to go home. Hera sees what's going on and can't believe that the Greeks would even consider leaving before Troy is destroyed. She asks Athena to do something about it. Athena is happy to oblige because she wants Troy to be destroyed too. Remember, Hera and Athena were the two losing contestants in the beauty pageant that started this whole deal. Athena appears to Odysseus, who is her favorite, and tells him to keep everyone from leaving. And wily Odysseus knows that it's a god who is talking to him, so he runs through the Greek encampment, repeating the same speech and reassembling the troops. Well, all except for one. Thersites argues that there is no good reason for the Greeks, especially the commoners who have no stake in this fight, to stay. This is not taken well, and Odysseus hits him with Agamemnon's scepter hard enough to leave a mark, and everyone else laughs at him. Charming, I know. Now, before they can go and fight, there have to be some more speeches, and Agamemnon does share his regret that he and Achilles still aren't speaking, not that he plans on trying to make any amends anytime soon. And they have to eat and get dressed, and they have to sacrifice an ox. And then there's a bit of a digression, and by a bit, I mean nearly 300 lines of poetry. This is the famous Catalog of Ships, and is thought to be one of the oldest parts of the poem. Homer gives names, places, descriptions, and counts. And yes, I have a tally in the margin, because how else can we tell if Helen's face really launched a thousand ships? You know what? By the end of those 300 lines, the total number of ships that left Greece for Troy is 1,186. I did try to count up the number of troops, but not every section indicates how many men were on each ship. The first group of ships, though, numbered 50 and carried 6,000 men. I'll let you make further estimates from there. After the catalog of ships, we return to the action and meet Telamonian Ajax, also known as Great Ajax, or as one of my favorite professors preferred to call him, Big Ajax. Not to be confused with Aeolian Ajax, or Ajax the Lesser, or again, thanks to that professor, Little Ajax. Big Ajax is usually the one referred to in Homer, but Little Ajax sometimes does appear. At any rate, Big Ajax is the second best Greek soldier, Achilles being the best. Zeus sends Iris, the rainbow messenger of the gods, to Hector, who is leading the Trojan armies. We then get another catalog, this time of the leaders of the Trojan armies. You'll want to keep an eye on one of them, Aeneas. We'll learn a whole lot more about him when we get to Roman epics and read Virgil's Aeneid. And that is where book two ends. 
with lots of lists. Except they are more than just lists. Again, it's that orality thing. We don't just get a list of names and numbers. We get descriptions and grounding. At any rate, that's where we'll stop reading this week, with both armies getting ready to fight. We'll take a quick break and come back to talk about the primary themes found in what we just read. The key themes that we see in Book 2 are honor and glory and the juxtaposition of war and peace. I'll start with the latter. In the catalogs at the end of the book, we see this theme, the juxtaposition of war and peace. As each of the individuals and groups are described, we also get descriptions of where they are from, snapshots of peacetime in the middle of a story of a war. The argument between Achilles and Agamemnon still hangs over the action that we see in this book, and you'll recall that the argument stems from Greek mores about what it means to be honorable. This concept leads me to the section about Thersites. This isn't a very long section, but it is notable as it relates to the theme of honor. Because Thersites is right. Think about it. Agamemnon's dream was sent by Zeus to give honor to Achilles. Zeus knows that the Greeks will fail unless Achilles fights with them, but that's not what the dream tells Agamemnon. Zeus has planned to humiliate Agamemnon by urging him to fight, so Agamemnon's suggestion that they all go home would have the opposite effect. Thersites is the only soldier who maintains that the suggestion to go home is the better plan, and it certainly would have prevented the vast quantities of bloodshed we will encounter as we continue to read. But choosing not to fight and arguing with the king is not an honorable action. So, even though Thersites is right, he is described as ugly and insubordinate. We'll see this concept of honor throughout the epic. People can die with honor or run away in shame. You can guess what most of them will choose. Perhaps we'll see some of that when we read Book 3 next week. On Monday, we'll go over Aristophanes' piece, and we'll be back to the Iliad on Wednesday. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.